Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, November 1st. Coming up, what exactly defines the Midwest? Is it just a place or is it also a culture? There is a, a feel to the Midwest. There is a current of Midwest niceness, a form of moderation that persists here, a form of devotion to community. We'll talk to one researcher about who considers themselves Midwestern and why. But first, some headlines. A Missouri appeals court yesterday rejected Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft's controversial ballot language he wrote for six proposed measures to expand abortion rights. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports the court found the language was partisan and misleading for voters. Last month, Cole County Judge John Beatum modified the summaries, which said proposed constitutional amendments allowed dangerous and unregulated abortions until live birth. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft appealed the decision, arguing the court strayed from its rule by doing so. The appeal court has now ruled the circuit court was right to make many of the changes, but the ruling also will reinsert a summary of a non-discrimination provision in the initiatives that Beatum left out. Ashcroft is expected to appeal the decision to the Missouri Supreme Court. The court also approved State Auditor Scott Fitzpatrick's estimated financial impact of the ballot initiatives. The court said the summary and estimates are fair and sufficient, despite claims from lawmakers and an anti-abortion advocate that the state could lose federal Medicaid funding and trillions in future tax revenue. They filed the challenge after Beatum upheld the state's estimate. Attorneys representing Fitzpatrick argued he provided the most accurate and fair estimates based on information he had. A federal jury in Kansas City has awarded $1.8 billion in a real estate case that could change the way people buy homes. Here's KCUR's Sam Zeff. According to online federal records, the jury found that the National Association of Realtors and some of the biggest real estate firms in the country, including Remax and Keller Williams, conspired to inflate home sales commissions. Some half million Missouri home buyers could share in the award. The class action case was filed in 2019 and charged six real estate companies of violating federal antitrust laws because agents for buyers and sellers share in the commission and that inflates the amount buyers pay. The National Association of Realtors told the Washington Post they will appeal. U.S. District Court Judge Stephen Boo still must approve the award he could reduce or inflate it. Kansas City residents will vote next week on a sales tax renewal for the Area Transit Authority. KCUR's Savannah Holly-Bates reports bus services will be cut if it fails. People in Kansas City have been paying a three-eighths cent sales tax on every purchase they've made for two decades. That money subsidizes the bus service and provides 30 percent of the KCATA's budget. County Commissioners Scott Fricker and Jerry Nolte from Platt and Clay Counties in the Northland have complained that the KCATA doesn't adequately serve their region. Nolte said he will back the sales tax if Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas appoints two of his and Fricker's recommendations to the KCATA board before the election. If the tax fails, the Transit Authority says it will be forced to cut bus services and eliminate some routes entirely, resulting in at least 100 transit workers losing their jobs. A Kansas creek that was soiled by the Keystone Pipeline's biggest ever oil spill is now flowing normally again. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. 
Nearly 600,000 gallons of tar sands oil spewed out of the Keystone in north-central Kansas last December. Workers isolated several miles of Mill Creek to trap the oil and clean it up. They temporarily rerouted the creek using overground hoses. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says the creek bed passed inspections this month and workers restored normal water flow. State and federal officials will monitor the area for five years or as long as needed to make sure vegetation is restored. We'll be back after this. It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. What defines the Midwest? That's a question that the academic journal The Middle West Review set out to answer when it surveyed about 11,000 people in 22 states about whether they consider themselves Midwesterners. And some of the results might be what you expect, with more than 90% of respondents in Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Minnesota saying yes. But some people in Pennsylvania, Arkansas, Idaho, and Kentucky also said they consider themselves Midwesterners. John Lauk is editor-in-chief of the Middle West Review and the author of several books on Midwestern history. He joined me on Zoom to tell me what makes the Midwest distinctive. You've studied the Midwest a lot. Why are you so interested in it? Well, the Midwest is a lost region. Uh, We know a lot about the American South, probably more than any other region. We, of course, know a lot about New England and the Atlantic seaboard uh, because of the revolution and the fact that a lot of publishing houses are based there. The American West has been a boom field for historians for about 40 years now. But the orphan child in this bigger conversation is the Midwest. Hardly anybody writes about it. Uh, There's not much research done. There's no Institute for Midwestern Studies. Um, And it's time to address that neglect and to bring a focus and a spotlight to the center of the country. Uh, The Midwest was the biggest region in the United States for a long time. And uh, it has been sadly neglected by writers and historians and intellectuals, unfortunately. So how did you choose which states to survey? We decided that we would obviously survey the 12 traditional Midwestern states, which stretch from Ohio over to Kansas up to North Dakota, because for many decades, the census has called this the Midwest, and this is uh, the consensus among many historians um, going back probably a century or so. But we didn't want to stop at those 12. We wanted to survey the states around those 12 to see what the drop-off is in terms of people changing their identity to a different region. So, for example, uh, the state of Ohio, uh, obviously 80% of people there see themselves as Midwestern, but if you drop down into Tennessee below Ohio, only about 8% identify as Midwestern. So that just shows the degree of 
regional differentiation in this country, which in itself is a very important finding because people think that we're still kind of an amorphous national culture, but in a lot of ways, regional culture persists and is still important and people strongly identify with their region. More than 90% of respondents in states like Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, and Wisconsin said they considered themselves to live in the Midwest. But the survey also included respondents from states like Wyoming, Idaho, and Pennsylvania. And, and as you said, a minority of them considered themselves Midwestern. Why do you think they responded the way that they did? Is it really showing the boundaries of this region? Well, the conclusion... Uh, we reach from these results is that there are still very stark boundaries between American regions. And uh, that is particularly true on the eastern edges of the Midwest. I think some people thought Pennsylvania, especially western Pennsylvania, might somehow identify with the Midwest, but that was not true. And these southern states uh, like Tennessee and Arkansas, et cetera, which were included in the survey, they definitely did not consider themselves part of the Midwest. Now, the more interesting finding is out west, where we find that the Midwest is a little bit thicker or wider than we expected, meaning it trickles into eastern Wyoming and eastern Montana and eastern Colorado. So the Midwest is a little broader than some people used to think. There used to be a school of thought that beyond the 100th meridian, which is roughly halfway through Kansas, things turn into the high plains west. But that's not how people identify. They identify as Midwesterners there, and that's an important finding. And not everyone who said they live in the Midwest also said they identified as a Midwesterner. What is the difference between those two? Why was there a discrepancy there? I think that by the fact that people move around. Um, for example, let's say you grew up in Texas, but you moved to Des Moines, Iowa for a job. Well, you will say in a poll, yes, I live in the Midwest because I'm living in Iowa, but you won't necessarily say I'm a Midwesterner. You'll probably still identify as a Texan. So in the state of Iowa, 97% of the people who were surveyed said, yes, I live in the Midwest, but only 90% of people said that they were Midwesterners themselves. And I think that's just a matter of migration and employment, people moving around for jobs, et cetera. So did you end up finding a definition of the Midwest? And, and where does that come from? Is it, is it more about a geographical boundary? Is it more of a cultural identifier? I think it is both. It uh, is clear from these survey results that there are uh, sharp edges to the Midwest, especially in the East and South. But as I said, it's a little more fuzzy in the West. But also, as you know, there is a, a feel to the Midwest. There is a, a current of Midwest niceness, a form of moderation that persists here, a form of devotion to community. And I think that's part of the culture of the Midwest. So they, they go hand in hand. I know one thing that was surprising for me was that so many people in the Dakotas identify as Midwestern, because that's not usually what I think of being down here in Kansas City. I think there's there's no question that the eastern halves of the Dakotas are Midwestern. This is very farming area oriented territory with small towns. It's like a outpost of Iowa in many ways. But once you cross the Missouri River, uh, it's clearly 
a different topography. There is a different landscape. There are more ranchers instead of farmers. There's more Indian reservations, more mountains, more more high prairie. But that's not how people identify. They identify as Midwesterners. And that is clear throughout the Western Dakotas and into Eastern Montana and Eastern Wyoming. And even clear out into Idaho, there's about 20% of people who say they're Midwesterners. So uh, I think there is a extensiveness or a kind of Midwestern imperialism stretching West that a lot of people weren't aware of. And I think this is a very important question for geographers and social scientists and researchers to dig into. And you talked a little bit about the cultural and geographic factors that go into being Midwestern. I'm wondering, do you have a a personal definition of being Midwestern? Well, I think if you are from the center of the country, the part of the country that has been traditionally oriented toward agriculture, uh, the part of the country that is close to or affiliated with the Big Ten, the part of the country where small towns are still important and community life is still important. I think those are all pillars of Midwestern identity. Now, that has been true historically. In more recent decades, of course, uh, cities are more important. And a lot of people live in cities and suburbs uh, like Kansas City and Omaha and, and places like that. But they also, not only do they identify with their city, but they tend to identify with their region. And uh, that persists and it kind of brings people in the center of the country together. They have sort of a shared identity, but we haven't explored it much and we haven't talked about it enough. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a good identity to promote and embrace. And that's, those are the basic characteristics of Midwestern identity for me. was John Lauk of the Middle West Review. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadi. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Anna Schmidt, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read more about the Middle West Review's survey of Midwestern states, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show and want to help us grow our audience, please write us a review so we can reach new listeners. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.